0: You're listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast.
1: So I wore these socks today. Do you see uh, them? They're boring and brown. Okay. They're kind of
0: olive, kind of army green. Kind
1: of. Okay. I don't see that at all. I see that they're brown. But okay. Okay. Either way, right. There's no pattern on them. There's stripes. What are you talking about? Okay, there's no pattern. They are brown stripes, socks. Stripes okay, is a pattern. What? Let me let me just go with this for a second. Uh,
0: should I just follow you yeah. on this? Okay. So, All right. Here we go.
1: I have friends now that good know. God damn it! <laughs> I have friends that when they saw me wear these socks, they were like, "Hey, what the heck? Those are so boring!" Because I started to wear. I,
0: You've got a reputation for funny socks. Now. I
1: I realize that I have made this reputation for myself of wearing. Funny socks. Was that on purpose? Was that a. It was. It was a decision that I made. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Okay. Funny that we're talking about that. All right. Um, But I I have like avocado socks with avocados on them. I've seen those socks with uh, rabbits and a magic hat and a magic wand. Flamingos. Pink flamingos um i have two cans those are, i like the two can ones
0: wait two cans is as in the bird or two cans as in a campbell soup and a uh no
1: as in the bird, bird yeah okay. as in, in the, the bird. bird Okay. that one makes a little it makes a little more sense when you
0: yeah because i was like, like why would you want two um, cans
1: but i i made the decision to wear funny socks because i was like well i i want to have something that people remember me by Maybe I don't know if it was necessary to remember. Okay. It's something that stands out like I wanna be able to have something player I want to have something fun.
0: Because right. as, as a financial financial advisors are not known for fun dressing.
1: Right? Exactly. And I think that the fun dressing probably would have a negative impact on the
0: Probably not a good business decision. Probably
1: not, right? So to
0: dress like a clown.
1: Yeah, I and and then I realized also that there's Number one, I can't, I couldn't pull it off even if I wanted. I've, I've received some shirts as gifts that have like patterns on them and things like that. Um, okay,
0: unless that's your, unless that's your
1: thing, well, I, 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 I got a, I got a buddy
0: who wears shirts that are crazy. That I guess that's his thing. Well, here's what
1: happened is I will get those shirts uh-huh. that look really flashy, look really cool. Yeah. And maybe I'll get it as a gift or I'll go convince myself that I would look good in it. And then it hangs up in my closet. And every time I, I'll go get dressed, I'm like, today, tonight's the night. Right. You know, I got, a I got a hot day and I'm going to the bar, wherever it was. I don't know. Right. You know? Not that I go to the bars that just Or have hot dates, probably. <laughs> hot <laughs> dates at the Um, but I I, 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 I'd have a night, right? A night. Got to it. Do All something. right. And I'd think, you know what? I'm going to wear my pink flamingo shirt or whatever it is. I'd, I'd put it on, look myself in the mirror and go, Oh man, people are gonna, I can't people are gonna think off, of right? an idiot. Yeah. Oh, I it. What if somebody, yeah, you know, like, man, I can't wear this and I would take it off and wear something boring. So I thought when we had BJ in today and he shows up wearing this bright, colorful shirt and he's a bright, colorful person.
0: BJ wore the shirt that I thought he would wear. He's, you know, when we talked about having him on the show, I, I'm I so excited because I, I, he is one of those guys that. He just lights up the room. He's fun to talk to, and when he walked in the office, I could hear him in all the way back in my office when he came in the lobby. And I and I turned and said, oh, I can hear him. I could hear him all the way down the hall." And when I turned the corner, I saw him in in the shirt he was wearing. I'm like, "This is perfect because it's 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 him." It makes it's sense too. It makes That's sense. That's the shirt of a the theater. I man. can He's a theater guy. I couldn't pull it off. It's just this bright colored. Shirt that he's wearing. No,
1: it. I re- I respect
0: it, it's. The... If I could, if I could pull that off, I would. I can't. You I, can't.
1: I There's I, no way. You're brown sock type guy.
0: I, I'm a brown sock type yeah. guy. i may a, a blue blazer, white shirt Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, that's, it's, that's 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 the world we live in.
0: It it is. It is. Let's listen to uh, our discussion with BJ Cleveland. BJ, I have known for thirty years. He has been in the theater. Since he was a child, he had a TV show on Disney. He had a uh, TV show here locally for years, kids show. Uh, a guy that's uh, been in the theater business for 50 years, fantastic guy. Uh, of a great, we had a great discussion. You know, fun listening. Uh, you know, when BJ arrives because you can, you can hear him. <laughs> Which is why I'm wearing my headset. So So when you think about the decisions that you have to make in your role, you, you get experience at doing it. And so these things that would seem frightening to me that I would have to decide if I were in your role, probably like no big deal to you. So one of them I was thinking about. So how do you decide to to hire somebody? Because my guess is that, you know, these people. Right, maybe they're your friends, maybe they're not, but I don't even know how you decide. I was reading some article in, online, it was about you know these are actors that auditioned for these roles, and you know it was one of those. Well, Courtney Cox actually interviewed for the Rachel Green role on Friends, and can you imagine? It was all these kind of things. Sure, it was what it was if, all that
2: piece together? Yeah, well, But how do you do that? Well, you know, uh, there's there's two things when we were talking when you invited me to be on the show and uh, and to talk. And you, it was about making decisions and stuff, and I was thinking about, well, what is, what is instinctively my background in any kind of decision making or whatever, And I've spent my entire life, my entire life in the arts. I started performing when I was six. I joined uh, turned professional when I was 10. I joined the union when I was 11. I didn't go to seventh grade. I did a national tour of a play and traveled around the country. and, and when, you stopped, were, so, when you were
0: 10? Yes, when God, I started that's the tour so I better was, than seventh when I started grade. the tour, I was
2: 12. But I turned professional when I was 10. What was the play? Uh, It was uh, the music. Well, it was uh, actually
0: uh, Mr. Scrooge at Casa Mignana. First time I earned a paycheck. How did you decide at at that age to get into the theater sort of full
2: bore? My grandparents used to read to me. And my mother was still in high school when she had me. So uh, my grandparents were around a lot. They read to me. I started memorizing the books, you know, the few books we had and performing them. And the teachers at the school, my reading level was advanced, and they said, he is very creative, and he moves forward very quickly with stuff. You might thinking of, you know, finding a creative outlet for him. Um, not hyperactive, but uh, although some people I'm sure would call me that, but just, you know, had, a, had a, needed a good creative outlet. And uh, Casa Manon in Fort Worth, it was a professional theater school. I mean, I went to public school, but then I was, you know, there and, uh, taking classes, taking classes and and, I mean, literally, you know, you take a class, all of a sudden your teacher goes, they see the bright students. And then when they're doing the professional productions and they need a, you know, a a child actor, they're like, Oh, I mean, I just became kind of the stock child actor for Casa Minata for many, many years till I became, uh, you know, a teenager. And then you're in the awkward stage and then went back and started performing in the summer musicals, uh, late teens and early twenties as, you know, ensemble and then featured roles and going up from that. But, uh, you know, the arts, decisions in the arts and stuff like that you're talking about, there's, whether you subscribe to the whole left brain, right brain, you know, left brain being very analytical and numbers and stuff, a lot of what, like you all do, and then right brain being creative and visionary um, and moving forward in a different way. But uh, a lot of it's instinct and having to make a decision fairly quick, you know, fairly quickly, not researching, but making a split decision, whether it's on stage, whether it's casting, whether it's you, you forgot your line and you got to make up something, you know, that stuff would just scare the crap out of me. So, um, (laughs) uh, you know, right, right brain people will move forward and actually in um, kind of disastrous circumstances sometimes when we have a, a crisis whether it's an earthquake or you know light storms or something like that a lot of times the right brain people will grab and start going I mean they will become the doers because everybody other people will will freeze in fear and have to try to figure out a lot of stuff when sometimes you just need to grab that box and go or you know do that kind mm-hmm. of stuff um, I've had to go through crowd control management uh being being in the arts and running a theater and such and I was Shocked to find out how many people will not make good decisions in a crisis situation like that. What do you mean, crowd control? Uh, Crowd control. um, Not to sound like Debbie Downer, but, you know, school shootings and bomb threats, Columbine, stuff like that coming up. Uh, Crowd control management is somebody being on staff that is certified to really kind of make the decisions and know they need to make quick appointments Tell people to go this way, go this way. Make sure that uh, they're aware that
0: uh, all of the exits are marked. It's just it's basic
2: safety stuff. But,
0: this is somebody who's always on staff or in the production yes. whose job it is to say, "Hey, if something comes up, here's our plan. Here's our plan." Yes, somebody somebody's got the plan and stuff, and and uh,
2: a lot of uh, a lot of stadium you know stadiums and such like that. Have to have people that wow. are
0: uh, certified mm-hmm. for that. Is that a union requirement, or a nope. facility requirement, or just a smart thing to do? Or? Kind of all of the above, yeah. but okay. it's also an insurance
2: thing, yeah. an insurance thing for your building to protect your company. Um, you know, oh, they didn't have their exits. You know, they didn't tell us where to go, and we were trapped, and so and so got smoke him. You know, inhalation or whatever. And it's a uh, it's, it's a frightening thing to discuss, but it's been very interesting. It was interesting to go through it. And find out human nature-wise what people will or will not do in those circumstances. There are some people that literally their brain shuts off in a crisis, and that's detrimental. Somebody's got to be able to make that quick decision and kind of go. Um, also, in the also in the theater, you know, we're trained. You know, I'm talking about forgetting lines. Or- Does that ever happen? Oh, to you every single performance, no <laughs> performance, like live theater, oh you know. God live theater you know right now we're streaming everything because because yeah. of covid but it's just it's just not the same you know whether it's see something as an in the as an audience
0: or, member i never notice i would right? never notice because, if someone forgot you know, a I line i don't know what and you're supposed you to say well there you go there's
2: our that's our that's our job but it's 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 all kind of it's all kind of based on your basic improv improvisational skills and that is the basic rule is yes and So if you and I were doing an improv scene, like with Second City or Saturday Night Live or whatever, you know, and somebody gave us a suggestion, we're doing a scene or something off the top of our heads. Right. And you said, hey, I love your blue hair. If I go, my hair's not blue. I've just negated just any them. idea that we could take and run with. Right. Yeah, you, right? you killed the bit. By saying I, you blue hair, because I, I could uh, talk about a beauty show. I could talk about being an alien. I could, you know, I could be colorblind, whatever. You know, there's a million possibilities just because you gave me that one little idea. So I've got to accept that idea immediately and run with it and go, Oh, thank you. I just, you know, uh, uh thank you, I just thought I'd do something different. You know, I've been holed up in COVID for, you know, a year and I think I'm gonna keep it, you know, and stuff. And I'm changing you, my name to, you know, Randy Blue, or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> And so, you know, you can just kind of keep,
1: keep going That's fascinating. So I've, I've never done improv, obviously, as you might imagine. Um, never heard that rule. We, Sean and I went to, do you remember the mm-hmm. improv group mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of? It, so yes. we saw an improv group that was not good. Okay. I felt very bad for them. <laughs> it, could, oh, yeah. it could go sour pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it went sour. They, yeah. they, <laughs> they had a lot of things that weren't working in their favor, right? They showed up. It was like the first event that I went to, um, after covid started so they we were all socially distanced which makes comedy harder anyway they had they had face shields on so you couldn't quite see them because of the glare off the face shield and then on top of that they had audio difficulties and it was a dinner party so there's clink 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 and they were (laughs) the best and they were already not that (laughs) great Uh, right so they just they they weren't catching a single break you're already making me nervous i guess as soon as you said that i thought I remember there was one guy on there that I felt bad for because I thought that guy's funny. And he would bring up bits, and he would start bits, and his it was a group of five. Somebody would always kill it. He would, he would try to, like, make it like, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to make fun of Donald Trump right now. And they'd go, I don't see Donald Trump here. Yeah. I, <laughs> they completely <laughs> negated him. Yeah. So think, think about that in your, think about that in your business
2: or whatever your walk of life, you know, no, we don't all agree on the same thing and no, we all have different visions or whatever, but just by accepting somebody's idea, whatever it is and saying, yes.
1: And then what you can do is, you know, kind
2: of building on that idea.
1: Yeah. I had the opportunity to do that today to a a client who called me and he wanted to, he His house is paid off, and he wanted to refinance his house so he could invest all of that money and I was like, "You know, my initial reaction is, please don't do that. you know I don't that seems like a big that's a not worth the risk, right and, But I knew that if I had said that right out of the gate that it would either discourage him from coming up with other ideas in the future or it would cause him to be emboldened with that idea say. You know, if you say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" I go, "You're wrong." Yeah, well, what do you know, right? Yeah, right. And, know, and that. then all of a
2: sudden, and that creates a down the, down the walls, bit. like yeah. you said.
1: Like yeah, and so we we talked about it, and eventually he came to the decision that he didn't want to do it anyway. But I couldn't just say, "Don't do that." Hey, you. not are killing the bit, and yeah. and that that's not how I would want to be talked to either. Well,
2: you let know, me right? l- 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 let me say right now the the fact that I'm I'm talking to you financial brains, you know, being in the arts community and stuff, and I am totally right-brained, I do not, you know, I am not a financial whiz. I'm a starving artist.
1: One thing that I've said before is if you want to be, I think the best advisors treat their career slightly like an art. And yes. and we're not artists by any means, right? But in order, to, I think, to be really great at anything, you have to treat it something like an art you know, there, there aren't rules for everybody. We, you know, you talk about left brain, right brain, we're naturally more inclined to want to have steps to follow. Yes. We're naturally more inclined to, to want to know what the answer to the question is before you pose the question. Hey, singer, should I do this or that? Oh, you should do it. Okay. Oh, Hey, you know, what's the best solution for me given my circumstances? Okay. Well, let me pull out my handbook. Boom. Right. That's how we want to think. I, what I've learned is that in order to really be successful and tailor the advice to an individual, you have to be able to think differently. Than that. And I would imagine it's the same for you. Absolutely. And any,
2: any organization, but specifically art, you know, the arts organization, whether it's dance, music, theater, whatever it may be, you have to have a sense of the business. You can be as far out artistic as you want. You can paint your body purple and stand in the corner and sure. call it art, and that's great. But bottom line, it's butts and seats, right? And it's mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's paying the bills and keeping the organization going, whether it's a nonprofit or not, and having to know that you've got to create a balance of uh, yes, we want to move forward, you know, artistically, and we want to be able to pay those artists. To do their thing and create new works and stuff, but for every original avant-garde piece of theater that is moving the theater forward artistically, you got to do a sound of music or an Annie to right. pay the bills. Yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> but you, you can't just put Oklahoma in there every month, right? Right. You've got to right. yeah, and you don't want a steady stream of that because right. we're you know we're we we've seen it, you know. And if you if you whether it's high schools, community theaters, professional theater, whatever it is. Yeah, you can get you get burned out on the same show. Sure. But there are some of those shows that are cash cows that um, just like we go for comfort food, you know, people right. with their money, especially the entertainment dollar, as things get a little bit more expensive and people get a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. more nervous about, you know, things happening in the world. Everybody's everybody's buying for that entertainment dollar. And you want to make sure that your audience is feels assured with what they're going to see, that they trust you, especially if you're opening a new you know, presenting a new work that they trust that you're going, you're presenting something that they are going to be interested in, or at least open their, you know, open their eyes to.
0: So is that how you decide to, to move the theater forward? Let's say that you've, you decided to put on some, some play and then you have decided, all right, I, I want this actor, or actress to play this role. I guess that's sort of a feel type thing. like I, th- It's a chemistry. Yeah. This is what, ha- you know, when I imagine this character, this is, Kind of what I'm imagining, and that person sort of embodies that or they they get it. All right, I'm gonna go with that person. All right. So you you get into this, you've got two and a half weeks. Have you ever had this circumstance where you get into I'm just you, gonna say yes. And you go, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not what saying, but I'm saying you, You're like, oh, <laughs> whatever my it is,
2: this I have really this is not gonna work. Yes. We hear stories all the time. Uh Eric Stoltz, actor Eric Stoltz, kind of yeah, tall sure. redhead. Yeah, redhead. He was yeah, they filmed. They filmed a month and a half of Back to the Future with him in the Michael J. Fox role. And Steven Spielberg just kept watching you know, the, the dailies and going, it's just, it's not right.
0: Yeah, it's not clicking. It's not and he's right. a fantastic actor.
2: Yeah, it is nothing about him, but it just, it wasn't right. And he was let go and Michael J. Fox came in and all of a sudden everything just turned around. You know, we know that story. It's your job to go to the best interview, the best audition that, mm-hmm. that you can do. So that you know, I gave I gave it everything, and then really beyond that, it's 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 out of your hands. Are you the right fit? Are you the right diversity? Uh, which is very important right now. You know that's not negating anything. That's when you, when you said diversity, diversity. Uh, do you does your does your company does your show show a great cross section of mm-hmm. uh, nationality and color and um, uh, you know, we just had a we just had an eight oh Annie in in Oklahoma on Broadway in a wheelchair. First wheelchair bound actress to win a Tony Award. And she did the job. Okay, she didn't dance around, but if you saw her, she was, you know, sure. wheeling heck of
0: Uh that's an interesting decision.
2: It's yeah. Uh, first, I mean, it, it,
0: it worked out. I mean it's it, it, yes, good it, yes. for them, but it,
2: and it, as artists,
0: and certainly
2: in the in the in the creative sense, it makes you rethink. <laughs> Well, you know, that's we, what I mean. We, I mean, that's
0: putting a whole new spin on. It. Absolutely, you're not gonna you're not gonna run that show like it's been run before. No. With little dancing, any right? It I mean, cha- you're you're gonna it, take another
2: change. It it changes everything. Yeah, but it just tells the story in a different way. You're not not telling the story. You're just telling it a different way. You know. I mean, I've seen big musicals done with no set. You know, bringing out pieces of furniture and stuff, and you, the audience, might you know. Theater started with cavemen around the fire, you know, talking about the next hunt, you know, and stuff. And as long as we're good storytellers, as long as we're good storytellers, and you as the artist really believe what you're doing,
1: mm-hmm. uh, others, others, will, they will follow. I think it's important to to have the experience where you go. I don't know if I love that but because I if I'm not challenging my own
0: beliefs, sometimes it's yeah. I mean, I I, I try and go to things that that I think are going to be interesting, Mm -hmm. right? Well, let's, you know, let's, let's go see this take on Annie, you know, in a wheelchair. So if you, if you've cast somebody and Mm -hmm. how do you go about giving the interpretation that you want as a director to say, Hey, uh, back off a little bit of this, this is supposed to be a little funnier or or that this is actually not supposed to be as funny as you're trying to make it. Or how do you do that without, because this is their craft. This oh, is their art, right? they, they do it professionally. Yeah. You're that,
1: leading them towards something specific in your mind. That without stepping they on, on their toes to
0: their- or you know, getting in their space of their interpretation of it.
2: It is a very what is the word it it, it is a very um collaborative mm-hmm. art. And um and I have to I have to learn you know, every show. You 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 gotta you know, you've got to really read the person, people that you've worked with a lot. And we, you know, when you get a good team and you know, I mean, I'm fortunate that I've worked, I've worked now 50 years in the theater. And so people know me, so they're going to, they're going to call me and cast me, you know, accordingly or whatever, but I also need guidance from them. And it's, so it's the same thing. So some people you have shorthand with people you don't know you, um, you know, I will block a show blocking is Mm -hmm. your movement, you know, like choreography and, and such. And I will block, you know, we do a read through, we talk about the show Then we start to put it on its feet or we start to learn the music and stuff. And that's where the interpretation kind of comes. And I try to get them up and moving around and say, okay, when you say this, I need you to kind of get over here and we're going to end up here. And, um, uh, if you want to get up and walk there, you can't. So I kind of give some movement so that we've got the rest of the time to really start to talk about character development and and that, and then you start to get a little bit more specific with the lines. And sometimes you just say, you know what? Lighten up a little bit. Don't, don't take this too seriously because really this is, this is real life. These people don't walk Mm -hmm. in knowing there's about to be a murder. You know, they're just living their life and then all of a sudden something happens. You know, don't, don't start, you don't start the sound of music knowing that Hitler's around the corner. You know, you you know, that's, (laughs) that's something that happens later. So, you know, don't, don't be oppressive at the beginning. We need, we need lightness so when the darkness hits, them were impacted by it and stuff, but it is collaborative. It's knowing how to deal with them. And sometimes, um, with an actor, with an actor that I know very well, and he would tell you this story too. So I'm not really talking out of turn. Uh, and he's a very good friend, but, um, hired him for a show and he was great, but he was so acty. <laughs> I mean, he was just being little, just little heavy handed, a little dramatic. And he was, I, I just didn't feel like it was real. I mean, and it was, it was a Pulitzer Prize winning drama, but it needed to just be him talking to us. Mm-hmm. So I so, you know, I kind of dismissed everybody. You know, let everybody kind of go, and I kept him, and I put him in a chair, just right next to me, kind of like you are. And I said, this you know, this monologue or this this kind of piece that you're doing. He goes, yeah. And I said, I want you to just just sit right there in the chair and just talk to me like we were at Starbucks. Or talking to me like we were just sitting in your living room with a glass of wine or something. And he said just do it right here and I said yeah just just talk to me. And he did it and it turned everything around. Yeah. And when he, you know, and when he finished doing his piece and all that stuff and I was nodding at him and you know kind of looking at him and making little, you know,
0: mm, mhm mhm
2: just like a friend. And I said that that's your performance right there. And once he got it, you know, once he got it, then he really, really shined. But I think you've, you've got to learn how to read people and find out what their gifts are and how to use it. And you will have obstinate people that are like, I don't like that you gave me that direction. Right. you got to back it up with, I you know, it boils down to, I know you don't see it yet, but in the grand, we got to look at the big picture. Here's, here's what we're trying to create here. Yes. Here. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. you to blend or I need you to not not pull focus, you know,
1: if you do that, it pulls a little bit of focus from here. So hang right there. Cause your moment's coming. I, I had an experience like that with, with I was kind of in the shoes of your actor. I went to go learn how to tell better stories okay. from a guy named Bo Eason, who was a NFL player and then had a one man show on Broadway. So yes, I know, you know who, who I'm talking I know about, you're right? talking about it. Yeah. He had a run to the litter on Broadway. Okay. And then now he speaks, and and teaches people how to share their story right he shared his story on a very big bright stage and he says hey i'm going to work with you to be able to share your story right and so one of the things that he had me do was develop out the story start telling the story um and then me and everybody else in the room we were telling it to our partner right he goes okay now imagine your partner is a kindergartner tell your story to them now how are you going to change that you're going to you're going to use. You're going to be much more, more animated. You're going to maybe move a little faster. Those dramatic pauses probably can't be quite as long. You you need to use more uh, elementary language, your vocabulary. All these things, and you feel like a doofus doing it, right? You don't. You, right. you know, just like your actor probably felt super uncomfortable. Wait, what do you mean? I just like we're at Starbucks, but I'm but we're not at Starbucks because you're my boss, and I'm sitting here in this big empty theater but I did it and it changed everything about the story. Yeah. And he had a couple of different ones, like different exercises like that. But I realized, oh, if I can look at something in a different perspective or, or change and be willing to be willing to fail, be willing to fail, then I can find something brilliant. Uh, because that could have not worked. If we're just sitting here, it's Pretend you're sitting here at Starbucks. He could have still been that. <laughs> I, you know, I,
2: I tell I tell artists, people are paying you to be the fool they're afraid to be. You know, pe- people, uh-huh. the number one, what is the number one fear? It's public speaking. Over death, you know, it's like people are afraid to get up in front of people. And, uh, you know, I can be in front of, on a stage in front of a thousand people and feel more comfortable than I can be in front of somebody across the desk Depending on the circumstance or whatever, but um, you know you you, you gotta. You, it's like jumping out of a plane. You you gotta get out there mm-hmm. and do it. And all of a sudden you go, oh yeah, I I can, I can do this. And most of the time, that was an example of pulling an actor back. Yeah, is sitting in the chair. Most of the time I'm telling actors, go for it. Uh huh. Go for it. I'll tell you if it's too much. And we are a short attention span society. I mean, you watch any TV show, you watch any movie. There are edits every couple of seconds. There's an edit. We go to, the, mm-hmm. you know, we go to shot mm-hmm. of you and we go to shot of you. We go to shot of you. Now we go to white shot. We go back to you. Mm-hmm. We go back to you. You know, there are hundreds of edits within a five minute thing. And then you watch an old movie, even, you know, from the sixties or even some of the early seventies. And you've got a long scene where the camera just kind of follows them and they do two or three pages of dialogue before there's an edit. And we don't think about that, but it's because we need, we need the mm-hmm. constant, you know, go go go, and our uh, our you know television sitcoms are only twenty two minutes because we have commercials. You know, and so uh, you know a show we always say if an act is over an hour, oh, you know pe- people people mm-hmm. people can't sit there that long. Right. You know.
1: You mentioned something earlier, BJ, about um, moving the theater forward and challenging yourself as an artist. How much of that decision to move forward is challenging the audience too? Yes, you are educating them. Uh, that's what I was saying. That you know, you do
2: something, you gain their trust mm-hmm. by doing something they're comfortable with. They're they they know like having you know that comfort. You know, take somebody out for comfort food and have a great time, and then suggest a new restaurant. You know, let them try you know Indian food or something. You know, it's the same thing. You know, with the arts is you know you you get their trust. They know that you've got good product talent level and the way that the way the organization is run and mm-hmm. you're going to have a good experience when you go there. And there's something about being in the crowd and having that crowd reaction. You know, if you do a comedy, if, if you, you can do a comedy, let's say two nights in a row and one night you've got a sold out house. And the next night you've got 50 people in the, in the audience and they should have the same experience. But that second night is not going to like the show as much because they don't have the camaraderie of people in groups. And that's what we've been missing year and a half but you you are training you are training your audience to Mm -hmm. go on that journey with you to okay we're gonna you know we're gonna give you this fun big musical but the next show is gonna be uh you know it's gonna be you're not necessarily you're gonna be reflective when you leave you're not gonna be leaving singing and dancing Mm. um but you need to experience that and you you need to go wow i was really moved by that maybe and and yes it probably made you uncomfortable but it it's okay to feel that way, you know. We we look to the arts to make us feel and 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 to make us you know, reflect on society and ourselves. Whether it's still art, whether it's museum, whether it's sculpturing, whether it's music that moves you in a certain way, whether it's a beautiful dance piece, you know, and and you know they're dancing and it's beautiful and then somebody die you know somebody dies or you know whatever whatever it peace Not everything is going to be happy, but everything is going to be reflective of life. And you need to just kind of open, open your mind and your heart to that. And well, that. I
0: would, I would think a lot of times theaters or directors, if they're there for a while, they've, they've got a certain worldview or perspective that thematically probably goes through a lot of their work. Know your audience. Yeah. Okay.
2: Know what their interests are. Know how willing they are to expand their mind or their vision, whether it's financial mm-hmm whether it's, you know, life skills or, you know, possibilities or whatever, are they risk takers? Because we, you know, we risk stuff every single day. Uh, You know, is your audience willing to take that risk with you to see something bold and different, or are they not? Do you do just a limited run of that in a small black box theater Mm -hmm. because it's not going to appeal to the masses? You know, are you going to get this small group of investors over here that are risk takers and have the financial means to go, let's, let's put it, let's, let's pull our money or let's, let's put this together and let's, let's take a, let's take a risk on this. Okay. I know money's a different thing, but you're still talking about entertainment, do- you know, you're talking about an entertainment dollar and something else. And, but really, really know your people. I've seen artistic directors come in and want to change the world. They've come in. It it, it it happened very recently in Addison. And that is a community with money that's going to support mm-hmm. the arts pretty much no matter what. But they hired somebody new, visionary, cutting edge, canceled everything that had been planned that the audiences had even bought season tickets Ooh, for whoa, wow. and changed it all up and did some real bold in your face moves. Well, of course, the critics liked it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and some of the theater community liked it. Those that really want to go out there and make that statement, the audiences didn't. And I just, and you just said, how do you lead the audience there? You see what they like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this comfort food. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to put a little extra spice in it over here and yeah, let you try yeah. it the next
0: time a little bit differently. And I'm going to, you know. Take me along for the ride, take, don't uh, Yeah, just don't don't change it up on me so hard. It's a long yeah. process.
2: Yeah. Don't tell me you're giving me ice cream and then you slide in, you know, mashed tofu. You uh-huh. know, I mean, you know, <laughs> running running Theater Arlington for all for all those years as artistic director, um, you know, going out there and giving that curtain speech and saying, we're so glad you're here and you know, thank you for trusting us. This is a very new, interesting piece and we're very excited to present it. It's won a lot of awards. So keep an open mind and enjoy the shadow box, you know, or what, you know, whatever, whatever the the show was. But also knowing that they knew that you were giving them some of the other stuff that they liked. So they were kind of willing to take, but it was a conservative, slightly older, you know, crowd. They're the ones that have the time and the money, um, you know, to go do a lot of this stuff. I find that, uh, younger audiences uh, and younger generations are not trained to go to the arts. So they are not buying the season tickets. They are not mm-hmm. investing themselves in an organization as much because they've got so many other things going on. And really buying a season ticket or following a season or you know attending several things at organization um, throughout the year and being being kind of a constant constant customer, your, your ticket, you know, is, is a vote of confidence that you want your community to survive and uh, in, embrace, you know, the arts and have, have a well-developed, uh, well-developed uh, community. Whether it's sports, you know, attending the games, you know, the arts, music, education, you know, investing in, in what's your community by supporting those organizations is really ma- what makes a great city,
1: what makes a great community. What, what do you think that the, the, the artist community could do to attract more young people?
2: I, I think really um, educating the community mm-hmm. as to what, to what you're doing. Your marketability and knowing that if you're going to do a Kinky Boots, you're not going to market it to your church groups properly. Yeah. You're going to appeal to young, fun adventurous theater goers mm-hmm. uh if you like RuPaul's drag race you're going to love kinky boots right. you know yeah. <laughs> you know it's the you know smack you know you're going to be up dancing the aisles with cindy Lauper music and stuff um although it's not cindy Lauper songs like right. true colors and girls just wanna have fun but it does have that flavor to it now with i mean <laughs> internet and tiktok and you know all, sure. all of the stuff there's a lot of options for You favorite. just you have to have um, for the younger generation, you have to, uh, have a really good social profile. And I think some older stayed, um, organizations probably don't have that. And that's the only thing that some of the younger people are looking at. We're not talking teenagers. I mean, I'm talking, you know, in their twenties and even early thirties and stuff like that, that really are the, the future of whether the arts survive or not. And that's just getting them in the door and saying, you're going to have a good time you know, it's gaining trust in, in marketability. And hopefully I think as things open and the, in the world is changing and stuff that more people are really, really outsporting it. So a lot of us
0: can get back to work. Yeah. Hey, we, I, I could talk to you all day. Uh, but I, <laughs> I'll really, be back tomorrow. I'll just be in the coffee. Yeah. Room. Just no, come up back. Talk. Uh, you know, when you, when you think of, and you, you took us through decision-making on, on casting, decision-making on, on sort of making a life in the theater, decision-making on, and what kind of shows to put on and, and direction. And it, it's, and I, I think, uh, you know, as you really analyze the stuff you've said, there's a lot of wisdom in there. So thank mm-hmm. you for, you uh, what I, what I, I do us. love
2: to is that when somebody can change my mind, you know, when somebody walks in and they have a not necessarily different vision, but they have a different interpretation of whatever <laughs> it is. And I go, Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah you know keep it coming those people that think they know everything don't those that do know a lot want to learn
0: more I, and want I, to and I wanna, just, wanna go with change i just finished a book by adam grant called think again and it's all about taking your the things you think you know and how to mm-hmm. come back through them again and being open to exploring hey maybe that was wrong maybe this is a different way to look at it it's it's a just got really good so it's all about sort of changing your mind sure
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Decidedly. I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk to BJ. I really had such a great time. He's so energetic. He's so lively. He's so fun. Uh, You can see why a guy like him has had a 50-year career in theater, because he just lights up the room. If you liked our conversation, if you learned something, then please give us a review on iTunes. It really helps. Five-star reviews only. Anything less, uh, take a hike. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Insights, advice, and
2: comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers who are not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their own opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.